This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hofflin. In this edition of the Onkogen Brief, I'm talking with Helen Sapsevari, the president of Presogen. Presogen is a biopharmaceutical company dedicated to the discovery and clinical stage development of the next generation of gene and cell therapies using precision technology. The company is developing novel therapeutic agents which are designed to target the most urgent and difficult diseases in immuno-oncology, autoimmune disorders and infectious diseases. During the second part of the virtual meeting of the American Association of Clinical Research, AACR, being held June 22nd to June 24th, the company presented preclinical results of an investigational drug called PRGN3005, which is being developed for the treatment of patients with advanced recurrent platinum-resistant ovarian cancer. And there is an urgent medical need for these patients. Worldwide, nearly 300,000 women are diagnosed with ovarian cancer every year, with approximately 22,000 of them in the United States. Since early ovarian cancer is often without obvious symptoms, disease is frequently diagnosed at an advanced stage, where cancer has spread to distant parts of the body, such as the liver or lungs. Five-year survival rates depend on stage and type of ovarian cancer, with rates decreasing for advanced stage cancers that have spread to distant parts of the body. The novel drug developed by Presogen is a new kind of CAR-T-cell therapy. CAR-T-cell therapy is a form of immunotherapy that uses specifically altered T-cells, a part of the immune system, to fight cancer. Traditionally, a sample of the patient's T-cells are collected from the patient's own blood, then modified to produce specific structures called chimeric antigen receptor, or CARs, on their surface. When these CAR T-cells are reinfused into the patient, the new receptors enable them to latch onto a specific antigen on the patient's tumor and then kill those tumor cells. In addition to the standard CAR T-cell therapies, which are approved and commercially available in the United States, different forms of CAR T-cell therapies have been developed. These include so-called off-the-shelf CAR T-cells, which are today in clinical development. In our interview today, we talk about Presogen's approach in the development of their CAR T-cell therapy, which is unique and different than traditional CAR-Ts and also different than the off-the-shelf approach of CAR-Ts. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Youngest in Brief. The Youngest in Brief is developed in collaboration with our online journal, Oncozine, at www.oncozine.com where you can find additional information and the latest news about cancer, cancer diagnosis and treatment, and cancer prevention. Let's listen to our interview with Helen Sepsivari. Helen, welcome to the Youngers in Brief. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. You're more than welcome. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you if you look at the development of, uh, let's let's start with that. I mean, uh, if you look at the development of uh, CAR T cells, and your company is involved in that, there there are a lot of different uh, technologies involved. So some of them are really focusing on the patient, uh, meaning that uh, the, the, in order to make this particular drug 
blood is taken from the patient, uh, then we processed and then basically given back to the patient is as of in a form of uh, chimeric antigen receptor T cells. Now, you are doing something similar to that, if I understand correctly, but you have a novel technology. Can you tell me about that? Well, I think as uh, you and your audience are aware, the, really the CAR T cell therapy is uh, it's an advanced form of a gene therapy to use the patient T cells or uh, allogeneic T cells and really design them in such a way that it recognizes the specific tumors of the patient and then destroyed it. This therapy is unique because basically the T cells are engineered in such a way and genetically modified and then expanded in a classical way of the CAR T therapies, which majority, I would say, of the companies currently are working in that area. And they are, for the lack of better words, uh, they are taking uh, T cells, genetically modifying them, make an army out of them by manufacturing outside, and then returning them in hundreds of millions or even billions of these cells back to the patient to combat the tumors. The way we are differentiated at this point is, in general CAR T, the problems that you basically encounter is, first of all, the number of T cells that has to be genetically modified and expanded, it's done by manufacturing them outside. It usually takes three to four weeks. There is a high, basically, rate of failures, and the price tag is extremely high in the uh, hundreds of thousands. And therefore, the few of the CAR-Ts that have been currently approved for the market, you can see the price tag anywhere between mm-hmm. $300,000, $500,000, which is not sustainable for a patient. Right. What we have done at Presigen is in the past two years, we have advanced a platform in such a way that basically made ultra car teeth. And what do we mean by that? We basically have advanced a platform that we take the teeth from the patient And by using a non-viral gene therapy, we can now advance this, transfect these cells with the specific cars overnight at the hospital. You don't need to go to any manufacturing facility. It doesn't take three to four weeks of manufacturing. It's not associated with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cost. And we believe the rate of failure would be much less. The next day, basically, the patient comes in, for instance, today, they get a freeze, their T-cells are transfected overnight at the hospital. The next day, it's QC'd and returned back to the patient. So what our ultra-car has components in it that not only identifies the antigens on tumors and can recognize them and kill them like a good soldier would do, but it has elements and genes in it, that it allows this army to sustain itself directly inside the patient. As they come across the tumors, they can become activated and kill the tumors. But in the absence of encounter, they can persist in the body. And we also have engineered switches, what we refer to as kill switches in this CAR-T, for safety purposes. 
if at any given point anything goes wrong, basically the uh, physicians can intervene and by injection of a ligand, basically destroy these cells that might lead, uh, they had an issue with the toxicity. So from that perspective, we call, call this ultra-CAR. It has the CAR-T. It has a membrane-bound IL-15, which allows them to sustain themselves, persist, and expand, and a kill switch. And the most important part also is you do not have to send this to some manufacturing facility for three to four weeks to expand the cell, whereas you can just directly do it in a clean room of a hospital, and the next day the cell will be able to infuse back to patients and basically expand directly in the patient's body. This, we believe, is really changing the paradigm of the car, and that's why we call them ultra-car. At the same token, we believe the difference with the off the originally, if you recall, off the shelf therapies with like allogeneic off the shelf T cell therapies was basically designed so you can use the same set of cells to be injected to many patients because to get away from this manufacturing cost. But what is associated with the allogeneic car therapies, obviously, you still have to manufacture these. And currently, in a best-case scenario, each manufacturing leads to treatment of 100 patients only. On the other hand, you still have to lymphodeplete the patient tremendously, very, very heavily to get rid of the GDHD. In our case, we have an autologous cell from the patient themselves with the ease of allogeneic that next day you can just transfer them. Actually, with the off-the-shelf, the median from manufacturing to the, or from the time that they start to the patient is between 5 to 12 days. For us, hmm. the median amount of time is less than 24 hours. So that's why I say it's the ultra car autologous with the ease of off the shelf. And we believe our costs are so much lower because the manufacturing cost is really reduced. And therefore, all patients can have access to this. Let's take a break. And then we're back with our interview with Helen Sepsivari, the president of Presigen. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Younger Sim Brief. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is encouraging cancer patients and survivors to be extra cautious during the COVID-19 pandemic. Cancer treatment, especially chemotherapy, weakens the immune system, making you at higher risk of severe illness. Dr. Lisa Richardson is director of the CDC's Division of Cancer Prevention and Control. Take these steps to stay healthy. Wash your hands often with soap and water. Clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces daily. Stay home. If you must leave, keep at least six feet between you and others. Avoid touching your face, eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. If your temperature is 100.4 or higher, call your doctor. Use CDC's coronavirus self-checker to help you make decisions about seeking medical care. 
Make sure your caregivers and household members are aware of your higher risk and take precautions. Visit cdc.gov backslash coronavirus and preventcancerinfections.org for more health tips. This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hofflin. And welcome back. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Youngest in Brief. And one other important point here that is, has to be really has been on top for us in with such treatment, you can now redose the patient if they need to be redosed. Whereas with the conventional cars, that's the impossibility with the price tag of four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars for treatment. You cannot. And then one other factor that we are differentiated and we believe it makes a difference is that since the cars are not expanded for weeks outside, we are introducing a younger and more active generation of the cars as opposed to an exhausted group of cars that the conventional therapies introduce. And uh, we have seen the result of that, for instance, in number of trials, the conventional CAR T, they only last between maximum two to three weeks in the body. And one of the reasons that we are not seeing any effect on solid tumors is uh, perhaps the exhaustion of these T cells and not being able to survive for a long period of time. So our platform has, uh, we believe, has the potential to change the paradigm for the CAR-T, and also now introduce not only the ease of the off-the-shelf, but also from a safety and perhaps the dose that we can go much lower. And perhaps we do not need lymphodepletion because the ultra-CAR-Ts that we are providing, they currently, they have their own, what I like to refer to as a backpack of food, membrane-bound IL-15, that allows them to sustain themselves. Generally, with the conventional CAR-T, they use lymphodepletion to, one, open up a space for the CAR-T because they are injecting hundreds of millions, if not billions. And secondly, to create an environment that there is enough cytokine to sustain the CAR-Ts that are uh, injected. In our case, we will be in much lower doses. And also, since we have membrane-bound IL-15 as a backpack for these T-cells, we believe we do not need to create that environment. And our preclinical data has been showing that. And we actually showed that. Yeah, let's let's talk about, about some of those things. Because first of all, if you, um, uh, during the AACR meeting, you presented some, the, the results of uh, PRGN, uh, 3005, which is a uh, an investigational drug that um, you are now developing, that is made or that is uh, being tested or studied in ovarian cancer. Is that correct? Yes, that is uh, for the ovarian cancer. And that is based on the platform, the, the ultra CAR-T uh, platform that you've uh, developed, right? Yes, that is exactly, that was uh, based on the 
unique and differentiated platform that we just discussed. Now, one of the things, if you look at ovarian cancer, it's a very difficult uh, disease to treat, not necessarily because it is in essence that difficult, um, but because it is often in, in very late stage uh, discovery or diagnostics, meaning that patients really are in, in end stage phase three when they actually are being diagnosed, makes it harder for physicians to treat. Now, there have been a lot of drugs have been tested and a lot of drugs have been fail, are, are failing in ovarian cancer simply because of the complexity that you have in late stage di- diagnostics and treatment. How, how are you doing? What are some of the results that you've seen in, in, in your initial clinical, in your clinical trials? So we have not yet uh, reported our uh, clinical trial. And as we have uh, mentioned previously, uh, we have uh, our goals is for second half of 2020 that we will uh, report on the interim data for okay. uh, PRGN 3005. However, one of the aspects that uh, you touched on, you're absolutely correct. Unfortunately, the ovarian cancer in a stage uh, Majority of the patients are being diagnosed at late stage three, if not a stage four. Mm-hmm. And this is extremely difficult. Even the checkpoint inhibitors, all they have not done, uh, have not shown any kind of activity in this setting. And the, for us, positioning the ultra car in the two arms in this trial, one injected intraperitoneally and the other one uh, IV. We believe that these cars, first of all, to in a phase one, to test the safety as well as the dose, to find the right dose. And since these cars are specifically, the ultra cars are designed to recognize the MUX-16 that is membrane bound and not shed, and mm-hmm. also, they have the membrane bound IL 15. We believe that we might be able to actually expand and directly uh, these cells in the patient and obviously investigate the activity of this against the solid tumor, which, by the way, no conventional CART, I have to say, no CART has mm-hmm. uh, shown any activity in the solid tumors. And we believe that by having the design that we have, this might offer the opportunity to actually sustain these cells so they can encounter the solid tumors in various organs. And this is one of the things we are investigating. One thing that we have uh, actually communicated, we are very encouraged with our preliminary data that we see in uh, regard to the kinetics and expansion of the T-cells in group of the patients that have been uh, dosed. And always for us, this has been one of the major points of phase one for PRGN 3005. Basically, not only, of course, the safety as well as the dose that we have to establish, but can you imagine, once we show that overnight you can produce these cells, infuse the patient, And then these cells, showing that these cells can actually directly expand in a patient. And this by itself, the manufacturing of these, changes the whole paradigm of a gene therapy and CAR therapy in the field. And we are very excited. Yeah, I must must say, it it sounds very exciting. And and, and I've been following the uh, CAR-T 
development uh, over the last couple of years. And it is obviously very exciting to see how, uh, first of all, you have the opportunity to develop a very personalized drug in, in, in medication for, for patients that really need this. But definitely one of the points that you also said earlier, I mean, it is uh, the costs are in some situations prohibitive, although some companies have developed a very novel way of, 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 of doing this to make sure that um, it's become bearable for, for patients and, and, and that kind of stuff. So that is a good thing. But still, I mean, you're right. It is, and it's, it's a heavy, heavy price tag. The other thing, but, but um, I've, I've looked at is, of course, off the shelf. So if I look at what you're doing right now, it's almost like looking at, at, at the best things of, of all sites, more or less, uh, where you're looking at the off-the-shelf versions of CAR-T, but also the traditional uh, CAR-T. And, and you kind of made this kind of hybrid almost. Um, is, that, is that a right way to, to, to interpret that? Absolutely. That's a perfect way. You put it uh, in a, um, perfectly because we believe that all the characteristics and criteria that's needed for an autologous transfer of your own cells. So you do not have any kind of GVHD or any other issues. You do not need a heavy lymphodepletion in order mm-hmm. to transfer allergens to you. But at the same token, now we have reduced the timeline for manufacturing of a CAR T, which has been originally the reason people moved to off-the-shelf and allergens uh, to actually less than even the off-the-shelf. And you are directly manufacturing for each patient. You cannot get more precision medicine than Mm -hmm. um, basically, or more precise, I should say, than this. And uh, so it's your own army from your own cells. And if I can put the analogy, you have trained them overnight to transfer them back to you to combat the tumor. That is some of the things that we're probably going to see happening because you said you are in, in still in, in, in clinical trials, in preclinical trials and development. So what is your expectation for this drug um, in terms of when patients may see something either in clinical trials or maybe uh, if we look at a couple of years down the line in, in, the, in the clinic? Right. So uh, definitely, um, based on the preclinical uh, that uh, we have shown, and just for instance, this week at uh, uh, AACR, we have shown that these cells are quite capable of expanding directly preclinically in vivo models and um, basically completely eradicate the tumor. One piece of data that was very exciting and we showed um, on Monday at the AACR meetings was that upon the injection of these cells and uh, having um, basically the mice that had the tumor burden, not only we cleared that tumor, but three months later, after the original tumor was cleared, now the animals were re-challenged, and this was the concept of simulating a relapse in a patient, for instance, but in an animal model, which, uh, of course, we, we do preclinically. And without injection of one ultracar cells, again, what we saw was that the tumor that was injected was cleared again completely, and the ultracar T's that were left from the original treatment were able to expand and basically eradicate the tumor completely again. 
This was very exciting. These experiments, actually, I have not seen this in other conventional cars. And for the first time, it shows the mechanisms that we have put not only allows the persistence of these cells, but these cells are not exhausted. And even after four or five months later, they can still see the new tumor that is coming and they can start to clear it. Let's take a break. And then we're back with Helen Sepsivari, the president of Presigen. Each day, researchers make discoveries that bring us closer to the moment when all cancer patients can become survivors. Their progress is made possible with the help of clinical trials. Clinical trials are the brightest torch researchers have to light their way towards better treatments. And if you've been diagnosed with cancer, they may be your brightest ray of hope. Speak with your doctor and visit standuptocancer.org slash clinical trials to learn more. Together, we can stand up for all of us. This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hofflin. If you're just joining us, this week we talk with Helen Sepsivari. Helen is the president of Presogen, and in this episode of the Oncogene Brief, we talk about the company, the company's drug development programs, which includes a novel type of CAR T-cell therapy, a drug called PRGN3005 or PRGN3005, being developed for the treatment of patients with advanced recurrent platinum-resistant ovarian cancer. Now, for us in a clinical trial, of course, as I mentioned, uh, what we are looking for at the end of our phase one is clearly our safety profile, which is very important. And we believe right. we might have a better safety profile compared to the conventional cars. Uh, at the same token, the doses. and But more importantly, very similar to this, being able to expand these cells and look at the persistence of these cells in a clinical trial. And then what we have designed is once we have the basically doses are finished and we have that data, then we expand to a phase 1B and increase the number of the patients treated with our ultra car, for instance, PRGN 3005. And in that setting, when we are enrolling upwards of 50 patients, for instance, then you can really interrogate the efficacy because you have large enough numbers now of the patients that you can further see. Of course, there are, can be signs of efficacy in the first uh, in various groups of the dosing uh, of the patients. But I usually have the tendency to basically make comments when we have uh, enough numbers because that's the most important thing and we do not want to go prematurely to conclusion. And that's the way we are handling our clinical trial. Right. So that's definitely something that is ongoing and in the near future. Now, if you look at some of the things what you do as a company, because, I mean, besides the CAR-T, you also do other things as uh, as a company. Uh, Persigen, um, I, I thought that you have a long pipeline of p- potential products that are, I mean, in oncology and other disease areas. Tell me a little bit about that and, and, and what the company is doing uh, beyond the CAR-T cells. 
absolutely. One of the other major platforms in our company is Adenoverse platform. And basically, this is a library of adenoviruses, specifically gorilla adenoviruses, that they have a high payload capacity. And we can basically design multiple genes in, uh, in that virus and uh, use it as a basically transferring these genes directly into a patient. But the beauty of this, we also have a number of switches, which are for the control of the expression of these genes. And mm -hmm. as a result, for instance, just uh, a month, uh, a little bit over a month ago, uh, we received our uh, PRGN 2009 uh, IND clearance from an FDA. This is, if you wish, it's the off-the-shelf a cancer vaccine against the HPV-positive tumors. It's very unique. It's nothing like other vaccines because, first of all, it's uh, in the backbone of the gorilla adenovirus. It has a large payload. The antigen designs are very unique, and we use our uh, bioinformatics uh, programs that we have established over the years, as well as the ultra vectors that we design very specifically, and uh, we have a unique antigens that other companies don't have, and we have IP around that. And we have designed these so then we can, in a phase one, uh, it goes in HPV positive and head and neck cancer, and we also have a combination with the anti-PDL1 TGF beta trap uh, from Merck JSK. And uh, we are very excited that we received the IND clearance for phase one, phase two from uh, FDA, actually even during this COVID-19 challenging time. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's obviously very difficult because clinical trials are uh, obviously a little bit hindered by the current COVID climate. So how are you dealing with that? So actually, I have to say that our communication to the outside and to the field has been that despite of the challenging time that uh, we are all facing at this point for a precedent, uh, we have communicated that we hold our timeline for data reporting both for PRGM 3005 mm. and 3006 for the second half of this year. And we had communicated that uh, PRGM 2009, we will not only clear the IND, which we have done, but also uh, dose the first patient, and we would hold that line. We had short pause uh, for PRGN 3005 due to the COVID-19 situation in Seattle, as uh, obviously since Seattle has been a hotspot, yes, and yeah. uh, Fred Park, uh, basically suspended or paused all phase one non-related COVID-19 trials. But uh, very interestingly, because of uh, the fact that we have a very differentiated and unique platform in a sense that we didn't have to lymphodeplete the patient and uh, we also can manufacture directly overnight. Actually, our uh, trial was, was among the first, if not the first, uh, to be off the pod. And we already have started um, screening patients. Uh, we have finished two cohorts in that setting, and we are uh, started screening and enrolling patients for the third cohort. In regard to PRGN 3006, which is our AML ultra car at mm -hmm. Moffett Cancer Center, 
actually that was throughout this whole time has been a screening and enrolling patients. So it, it was not paused again for a fact that we don't lymphodeplete, uh, at least in one of the arms, and therefore uh, the risk to the patient, especially during this challenging time with the COVID-19 infection is much less. And right. that was another reason that we were able to keep our timeline. Yeah, so that that is definitely a good thing to hear that uh, uh, what, what often you hear during the last, I say, last three, four months is that um, everybody is switching to uh, looking for a vaccine and, and, and preventative vaccine or anything else or for uh, COVID, uh, COVID-19 or the SARS-CoV-2 uh, uh, virus. Obviously, that is taking a toll on on patient populations and access for patients. But obviously cancer and cancer treatment needs to go on and cancer development needs to go on. So it is a good thing to to hear that uh, you are able to do that. Now, early in the program, you mentioned about the fact that you are developing a vaccine. And obviously, to, to make, make clear for our audience what that means in cancer, that is not a preventative vaccine, but it is a therapeutic vaccine. Can you um, allude a little bit about that difference in terms of, of how people should view that? Absolutely. So as uh, you know, in regard to preventive um, vaccines, usually they are administered before the individual basically have the disease. Uh, major, obviously, majority of the preventive vaccines has been always in infectious diseases. Uh, that's why we get vaccinated, for instance, for flu and others. In a therapeutic setting for a cancer, obviously, it's a much more challenging scenario because obviously your immune system already is under pressure and uh, cancer is basically has been advanced. Now you are trying to re-educate your immune system, basically with the cancer vaccine, to recognize the cancer cells as an enemy from within, because that's the biggest issue of the immune system. Immune system all your life has been trained like a good soldiers that they are. Do not attack your own body, because if that's the case, then you get autoimmunity. The way the immune system has trained itself from childhood to adulthood is to identify what is your own tissue and stay away from it. And what is a foreign enemy that is coming, like a virus or bacteria or what other things, and destroy that. And this is why there is, maybe I use the term, a confusion for the immune system when the cancer arises and it doesn't see it until it's much later. Now, with cancer vaccines, what we have done is basically position the antigens of the tumor in a context that becomes recognizable to the immune system. And then train what I consider a memory cells, which is almost similar to what you're doing with the CAR-T and ultra-CAR-T outside, but now it's from within. Generate these cells. Again, the analogy that I use, these are like your special forces. Now they have been trained to see only that tumor with that specific antigen. And then they will attack it. And once they see it, they expand and they can clear it. Let's take a break. And then we're back with Helen Sepsivari, the president of Presigen.
You took the first step and quit smoking. But even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hofflin. And welcome back. I'm Peter Hoffland, and this is the Youngest in Brief. The difference between the cancer vaccines and specifically the platform that we have put forward is we have used various elements that basically alerts the immune system as well as a different antigen design which covers the tumor extremely well. And we have advanced this to the point that especially with the gorilla vectors that we have, you can give this vaccine number of times. One of the major issues with the cancer vaccines over the time, and especially with the viral cancer vaccines, like at five, it has been that you can only give it once. But then the second time, you already have neutralizing antibodies to it, and uh, therefore the immune system doesn't react. Um, interesting with our gorilla vectors and library that we have with the adenovirus, the zero positivity is so low in humans because they have not been subjected to these viruses before. And obviously, these viruses are designed that they would not at any point uh, cause any kind of a problem for the humans. Uh, certain elements have been taken out, but we use this as a backbone, introduce the new antigens in, and now with the gorilla vectors that we have and the library of adenoviruses that we have, we can basically vaccinate the patients multiple times. And in preclinical studies, we already have shown that by doing so, you can keep increasing the immune response and not having the limitations that classical vaccine has. So that's quite exciting. And we, this is the first time that this vaccine is in the clinic. And uh, we are uh, really uh, excited about seeing the data in the patient. I can totally imagine it. It's definitely some of those very um, exciting presentations and, and, and definitely newsmakers uh, that are presented during those um, international medical meetings. Now, you've been able to follow a little bit over the last couple of days uh, what happens uh, at the AACR, the second version or the second part of the virtual AACR meeting. Other than, than the exciting things that you just uh, that we just talked about, have you seen other kind of very exciting things that, that you may be able to share with us? Well, I, I think maybe I can put it in general um, that uh, the field is clearly moving very rapidly. I think immuno-oncology field has proven that activating the immune system, especially with the checkpoint inhibitors, this was... I would consider this as a tip of the iceberg to show that actually the potential of your immune 
system and how you can activate it eventually in a much better response as compared to the chemotherapy or radiation therapy. But, and throughout the AACR, I think we have been seeing that uh, not only the checkpoint inhibitors are doing better, but also the whole field of now gene and cell therapy is becoming up and front of immuno-oncology. And I think this is very, very important because the future of the medicine is really in a precision medicine. And uh, it will not be, we are moving toward therapies that can address really the need of individual patients with the ease of the treatment for the oncology. And I think uh, this is what we are seeing in the AACR, both on the preclinical side and clinical in various aspects uh, advancing, be it the cancer vaccines that are going forward, uh, the gene therapy and uh, CAR therapy. And uh, I think these are all very exciting. So there has been many, many advancement and I believe continues to be uh, advancing. And that's why it's important to stay at the cutting edge of these innovative technologies and uh, bringing in the best for the patient. And if you now look towards the future, and, and I think we, we're going to, uh, we're getting closer to the end of the program. But if you, if you look at the future, um, if, I think that if you were a cancer patient, say in the, in the, in the early 1970s, um, cancer was definitely, um, considered as a death sentence, um, in many, many, in the majority of cases. It was definitely very hard for patients with, with very, um, very strong chemotherapeutic approaches. Over the last, I would say, 40, 50 years, things have dramatically changed. Now, if you look uh, today as a, as, a, as a patient, what is the outlook for, for patients when, when you look at the kind of drugs that you are developing? What, what are you seeing? Excellent question. I think what, when we started and when I started, for instance, my career in a cancer therapy, really uh, the field was at the point that uh, the name, when the patients, they heard that they have cancer, it was almost considered a death sentence. Mm -hmm. And this is how it was used. With the chemotherapy radiation, of course, these therapies uh, advanced, uh, but still the percentage of uh, responses were extremely low uh, with the heavy toxicity that has been associated with them for the past uh, few decades. But that's what the whole uh, basically field had at their disposal. I believe, and uh, perhaps I'm uh, somewhat prejudiced because I was trained in the field of immuno-oncology when immuno-oncology was not very popular uh, in uh, the 80s and 90s. But now within, the, within this field, we have shown that actually sort of controlling the toxicity uh, comparison, for instance, to uh, chemotherapy, which has a much better profile, but also we can now turn this uh, death sentence or making a deadly disease to what I consider, and I always said it many decades ago, to a chronic disease, very similar to what it has been done with the HIV or uh, with the diabetes, for instance. And uh, you have now, we have been using immuno-oncology checkpoint inhibitors, not only to introduce make these various indications to a chronic one, but also now start seeing actual cures. And what I believe is the next generation to come is 
using a precision medicine, understanding the immune system of the patient based on the indication. For instance, we have to recognize that a pancreatic cancer is a very different tumor microenvironment than a prostate cancer. And then how do you design the immune system of the patient, genetically modify that for that patient and advance? And I think as we do more of the therapies that we have been discussing, I think the options for the patient is to turn this chronic disease now to actually full cures and completely start uh, eradicating some of the indication. And that would be my hope for decades that are coming up and, of course, for the next generation of the scientists that are working on this to completely receive the eradication. Thank you so much for uh, your time today uh, and, and explaining some of the exciting things uh, that we are seeing both developed by your company, but also uh, in the field of immune oncology in general. It's definitely a future with um, maybe closer than uh, most people expect or most people may think it, it might, might happen. Um, but it's definitely very exciting to see. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. In today's edition of The Youngest in Brief, I spoke with Helen Sapsevari, the president of Presogen. For more information about the company and the products the company is currently developing, visit the company's website at www.presogen.com. For us here at The Youngest in Brief, we want to thank you, our listeners, sponsors and advertisers, for your ongoing support. Your support makes it possible that you can hear this program via PRX, Public Radio Exchange, and in the United Kingdom and mainland Europe via UK Health Radio. And you can also download our program via podcast and streaming media, including iTunes and Spotify. For more information about supporting the Oncozine Brief, go to Oncozine at www.oncozine.com, and that is O-N-C-O-Z-I-N-E dot com. If you are living in the United States and want to receive our newsletter, text the word CANCER, that is C-A-N-C-E-R, to 66866. And we will make sure that you'll receive our newsletter, which includes an overview of the latest news in oncology and hematology. Thank you all. And thank you for listening. And join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Youngest in Brief. The Oncozine Brief is produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hofflin, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and distributed by InPress Media Group. Support for the Oncozine Brief comes from listeners of this station and our commercial underwriters and advertisers. For more information about underwriting and sponsoring options, visit our website at oncozine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncozine Brief contains health and medicine-related information and is provided for educational and entertainment purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it. 